Guess what, guys? There is only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally owned, legendary, unbelievable, delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. The Colorado Mountain Pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza is in town. Bojo's is the answer. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard it right, and it is to die for, guys. It really is. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family, a huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore, Colorado beer on tap, including our very own favorite Breck beers, and your favorite sports teams playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms to celebrate all of your holidays together, and they have $4 happy hours in select locations along with gluten-free and plant-based options. Nothing is more important to Bojo's than their community, which is why they are always happy to help you raise money for, for your fundraising causes. Host your next fundraising event at any of their five front-range locations. They also offer this holiday season special pint glass koozies that make a great stocking stuffer, and that also comes with a $5 gift card. So check out their site today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com, and tell them who sent you. All right, Mace, let's jump into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curds from mile high. Best part of the weekend Hugging a perfect stranger Cause they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at DNVR Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee. You guys know the deal. Great coffee, and you get all the benefits that come with CBD, all in a sip of coffee. Helps with aches, pains, migraines, headaches, anything that you've got going on. If your body's sore, CBD helps with that. So make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee. We love them at the office. I know you guys will love them. And when you do, use that magical code DNVR20 to receive 20% off your entire purchase. Well, Mace, how you doing? I'm doing very well. I think Vaughn Miller could use a Strava <laughs> coffee right now. He certainly could have used or, a, a boost after the game. Or a hug. Yes. Or all the above. Something reassuring. Yes. He was down after the game. Yes. And... Uh, it was like nothing I've ever seen before because, Mace, it wasn't like he was sparked by a specific question that was asked. No, he got up and started talking. It was similar to some of the coordinator press conferences we've had in recent years. Not with the current coordinators, but Bill Musgrave, <laughs> Wade Phillips. Those guys, they would just get up there and start talking. Yep, and you know the biggest difference between Billy, Bill Musgrave, and Von Miller? When Bill Musgrave gave his opening statement, he said zilch. That was the thing. He gave you nothing. Like, oh, we got, you know, we've got the 49ers this week. <laughs> good good Some team. good players on defense. Uh, we'll try to do our best. That's what Bill Musgrave would say. Wade Phillips would start by talking about the opposing team and then pointing out which players were from Texas. <laughs> it's part of the charm of Wade. Anytime there was a Texan, like if 
you know, Drew Brees and the Saints were on the schedule in 2016. He pointed out, of course, that <laughs> Brees uh, went to school not too far from Austin. And, uh, <laughs> well, he's a Texas boy. Mm, he's good. But Vaughn, but Vaughn on Miller, Sunday no. after the game, he was juicy. And uh, his opening statement led to questions about his opening statement, which pretty much everything revolved around what he said. And Mace, we touched on it at, in postgame pod, but what he said was it's tough. Not just the loss, but everything with where he's at with the Broncos right now. It's tough. He's lost for words. And probably the, the phrase that summed it up best was, it just defeats my soul. He's lost the faith. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. That he's been here for the last nearly four seasons to use a song lyric, Waiting on the World to Change. <laughs> and instead it has been the world of suck. Mm, wow. And every so often, if you've been in that for long enough, you just hit rock bottom, the point where you say, I can't go on. Um, I'll tell you a true story, because in thinking about Vaughn, I realized that something like this happened to me just as a fan, not as a player. With the Bucks in 1993, I actually called in to the post-game radio talk show, and they'd hung on to win. (laughs) But they were up 31-3 in Atlanta, and then the Falcons scored three touchdowns. And I was convinced they're going to score another. They're going to get a field goal. They're going to win this game. And even when the Bucs held on, I just felt miserable. And I actually called in to the radio talk show saying, I'm at wit's end. I don't know if I can go on with this. And they're like, well, they won. I said, yeah, but how many times have they had games like this that they've blown? It just adds up. Adds up, adds up. And then your soul is destroyed. Yeah, because and actually during the fourth quarter of that game, it was a cold day, well, cold by Tampa Bay standards. And at 31-24, I walked out, put the game on my headphones, and I just walked around the neighborhood by myself listening to it because <laughs> I couldn't look. I had hit my limit. Now, of course, a week later, I was back watching the game <laughs> of course of course and maybe that'll does. happen with Von though I'm sure it will he'll he'll marshal his inner strength and when the Broncos play the Lions next week he will be back and he'll probably have a sack going up against that shredded Lions offense but Thursday's going to be interesting when yes. we talk to him before that game typically Von Miller has moved on from whatever he said after a game yeah. uh, and 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 he's on to the next week I wonder if he's going to take that approach or very telling if he doubles down on it because he doubled down in the press conference uh-huh. on Sunday. I would expect that he would have moved on, uh, you know, at least publicly. But if he doesn't, Mace, then there's really something going on there. So what what did you take from his comments? I took somebody who just he's hit an emotional breaking point. Can't go on. And what's interesting, I wrote the piece that talked about how Von Miller mentioned that this team had tried everything. And I said, no, it hasn't tried everything. It's in the process of trying kind of the last stage of everything. Mm. At least everything with the current administration. Yep. And that could be another thing. The everything, the part of everything that hasn't been tried involves change at the top. Yep. And that's not coming. Right. John Elway will still be running this team next year. Without a doubt. 
own, the ownership situation with the trust controlling it, that's still going to be in place next year, almost certainly. So, Mace, what I took from it was I took that Von Miller wasn't asking for a trade. He, he wasn't asking to be released. He wasn't asking anything like that. He's maintained in the past how he wants to be a Denver Bronco. He loves it here and would love to, to have his entire career be in orange and blue. But? But. I took it as a message to John Elway saying, if you don't pick up my team option after this season, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. And he, he wasn't necessarily asking for it, demanding it, forcing his way out. But he said... If I'm not here next year, it's something that would have hurt me a year ago. It would have hurt me six months ago, but I'd be okay with it now. Now, with that team option, do you think then it's possible the Broncos pick up the team option and then trade them? Could. They could because what they're looking at right now is if they weren't to pick up that team option, there still is dead money, nearly $12 million in dead cap next year, and that's all it would be. $12 $12 million, that's a, that's a huge amount, but the Broncos and John Elway aren't shy and afraid of dead money. But what you'd do is you'd save about $14 million next year. He has a $25, $26 million cap hit next year. Mm-hmm. Then in 2021, that cap hit is $23 million. So all in all, you're clearing up nearly $50 million in cap hit, and it costs you about $12 million in dead money next year. Yeah, and if you do that, then you're only getting back what the compensatory market would dictate. Right. So if you do that, you're only getting, at best, a late third-round pick. Right. But if Best you, case scenario. If you pick up that option and then you trade him, it's, st- it's still the exact same financial but, consequences. So you would gain more because you could probably trade him for more than right, a third. Right, but you, f- you hope you trade him for a third. That contract, some teams may pause before they take on that deal. That's something to consider as well that – Maybe teams don't look at Von Miller in the same way they used to. Maybe the window for trading Von Miller and getting anything close to fair value has already passed. Because the notion of trading Von Miller has been floating around for a while. Yeah. There's an interesting thing on his Twitter feed. Mm. Von Miller has only liked one tweet since November 3rd. Over a month, six weeks. And it came in the last 36 hours from Kyle Berry, who works in local radio around here. And this was the tweet that Von Miller liked. Von Miller reaction. He sounds sad, like a fallen star that has lost himself and needs to find himself again. Star emoji. Nothing great lasts forever. I get goosebumps thinking of his career in Denver. How long do you need to be told things will get better before you realize they are not? Of all that has been oh said about Von Miller. And, it, and he's not given the at mention. Von Miller had to find this. That just, or someone pointed this out to him. Mace, you could have stopped after the first line, and I would have thought, wow, that's telling. You could have stopped after the second line, and I would have thought, wow, that's really telling. This that is whole the tw- tweet that he liked, and that's the only one. This is the, the tweet one. that he liked. That's the only one. The last tweet he liked before then was Drew Brees at Purdue during the Saints' bye speaking to his college team. Wow. That's it. Think wow. about that. Of all the tweets, of all the things said about Von Miller so what, in the that, social media universe, this 
is what he liked. That tweet encompassed uh, being sad, uh, being told that things were going to change and they weren't, and wrapping up his career in Denver, Mm -hmm. kind of enjoying his career in Denver, which really felt like a, it's been a great ride, Vaughn. Thanks for everything you've done but this is the end. That, that's kind of what it felt like. Vaughn is enough of a student of history to understand that his place in the pantheon of football is going to be defined by him as a Bronco. That is how he is going to be remembered. He gets that. You get the sense that if it is an end, he just wants it to be on good terms. Right. If it comes to an end. Holy cow. And think about this. I mean, you mentioned the oodles of cap space that would be created and, of course, the cash that would be off the books if the Broncos choose not to pick up his option. Just consider how that could be spent on the market. Consider how that could be spent even in terms of guys as they – grow and they start approaching their second contracts and keeping them around because the Broncos, they're not a cash rich organization like some other teams where in order to uh, get the money for the guarantee and put that money in escrow, all they have to do is write a check for however amount. It doesn't matter. The Broncos, they're not the Cowboys. They're not the Seahawks. They're not Washington. They're not even Buffalo. The Pagulas are insanely wealthy out there. So there's a finite limit. It's possible, for example, that the Broncos could have, you know, let's say they let go of Von Miller. Let's say they let go of Joe Flacco, that they could be sitting on upwards of 95 to $100 million of cap space yep. but not spend it all right? because of the cash budget, right? which does happen. I mean, there have been teams like the, the Colts, the 49ers, among others, the Browns have been, are among te- the teams that – had a lot of cap space, but did not spend to the cap and just, ca- just carried it over some more. So, uh, it's it's funny. Like, I think what I wrote after the game, there's a lot of merit to it. And the fact that Von Miller is saying that when it's the moment when there should be hope. But now thinking about it for Von Miller, I think he's just at wit's end. And – Maybe what caused him to snap was it's been a rough season for him, but he had one of his best games Sunday. He's chasing Patrick Mahomes around. He chases him down, gets a sack. Multiple pressures. I think uh, Pro Football Focus had him with with seven total pressures on Patrick Mahomes Sunday. And... It's like it didn't matter what he did that the team was going to lose and lose badly because so many other things were wrong. And unless you pluck Drew Brees out of the ether if the Saints for some reason decide to let him go, and I don't think they will. No. Unless you have a move like that, it's not going to get reversed in a year or two because Drew Locke is going to have growing pains. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, I, if, I, if, if I could talk to Vaughn one-on-one, I would try to be rational and tell him, look, 
look at where you where you guys were after four games when you were zero and four, and you were sitting there and you'd gone nine for your last thirty or eleven for your last thirty six games. I get why you'd be frustrated then, but now when you've actually been a five hundred team, right? You're two and one with the new quarterback. It's entirely possible you're above five hundred since week four by the end of the season. If you beat the Lions and Raiders, that means you're seven and five since 0 and four. Yep. You've actually got some positive momentum for the first time in what seems like forever. I try to tell him to hang in there. But sometimes especially when you're like Von Miller, you're going into year ten. Yep. That's he, not going to register. He mentioned multiple times that he's yeah. 30 years old. And when you bring up the age uh-huh. in terms of like saying that you're old and don't have much time left, that is pretty telling on what he's thinking. So, Mace, we put out the question of the week to figure out what you guys thought about this. And we said, and of course, it's presented by Sports Column, delicious food, delicious beer, a delicious atmosphere where you can play basketball. There's so many TVs inside and a delicious location. So make sure you check out Sports Column and – you get the benefits, all four of those benefits in one place. It's an awesome place. They love us. We love them. The question of the week was, in the wake of Von Miller's comments Sunday, do you think he is a Bronco in 2020? Yeah, let's start with mile-high memories. Of course, he's just frustrated. You can't always say the right thing, nor should you. Continues. He just didn't say the stock expected answer. He showed his emotion. He was sullen. Players are supposed to be mad or fired up or positive. When they speak about those things in a gray or unclear way, the media freaks out. Mace, we're going to be able to roll through a lot of these because I wonder if there's any no's because Aquaman says still a Bronco next year. Just saying the truth and what most fans feel too. Ryan Clayman says, yes, he will be a Bronco. It would hit him that this is four straight years with no playoffs and three straight losing seasons. He just wants it back to the good old days. All We all do. I feel his pain. Nick Sama says, people got to remember athletes are people too, and they go through mental stuff all the time just like us regular people. Keith, All Keith, this losing oh, is more than likely depressing Vaughn. He couldn't hold it in anymore. And Keith B. agrees with that. Absolutely. I agree with Fangio. Frustration happens. These players put their mind, body, and soul into their craft. Vaughn is a good leader who needed to vent. Honestly, doesn't feel like anything more than that to me. Dan Candy says, yes. Unless somebody makes Elway an offer he can't refuse. What if he was offered a high pick and Shaq decided to come back for big dollars <laughs> to take Vaughn's place? Shaq, 16 and a half sacks, is greater than Malik Reed's one sack. Okay, let me also tell you this right now. Shaq Barrett is not hitting the open market. The Bucks have made that clear. At minimum, they're going to use the franchise tag on Shaq Barrett, to say it in his Maryland <laughs> accent. <laughs> It's more likely they work out a long-term deal with Shaq Barrett to stay in Tampa Bay. Why would you let him go? Yeah. You can't. You can't. He's a half sack away from setting the all-time franchise record. And think about that. The Bucks have had some really good pass rushers over time. You think yeah. about a couple of Hall of Famers in particular, Warren Sapp and Leroy Selman and Shaq Barrett did better than that. <laughs> Gunnar Kane says, I think so. I'm not reading too much into it. They had a depressing they had to go to a depressing place like Kansas City. It was hella cold and they got blown up. That would make anybody say crazy stuff. Vaughn was in his feelings. Artist Dominic says, I think he rallies a few top tier free agents to Denver and they make a run the next few years. Uh I hate to dim your optimism there, but if Vaughn had that kind of ability to rally free agents to Denver. 
wouldn't that have borne itself out over the last two or three years? Yep. Yep, absolutely. Nick Geyer says, yes, but I'm starting to separate my heart from my eyes, and some of these older defensive players just aren't what they used to be. Probably referring to Chris Harris Jr. as well. Yep. Mile High Drizzy says, yes, I hope. Please, John Perkins, he is under contract for two more years. I don't see him retiring. I have heard nothing recently that they are going to trade him. I think it is a winner's frustration being on a losing team. Today matters to him. It is hard to focus on the future while losing today. Eamon Badwin says, Vaughn wants to turn this around. He feels like it's going to be part of the legacy, that he helped with that. You tell by the way he's about these young players. I wouldn't be surprised if Vaughn pushes all the young guys to lead the team while he focuses on killing quarterbacks. That's well and good, but uh, <laughs> if he's in that locker room, they're looking to him for leadership as well. Yep. The Real Don says, of course. Texas Bronco says, yes. Seth Moldenhauer says, I think he is. He's just fed up with losing, but this is his home. And his team. Eddie says, you don't touch Von Miller. He's 31 years old. Nick Castillo, without a doubt, aside from the contract implications, almost 12 million dead cap. He is still an excellent pass rusher, and those are hard to come by. He's poised for a bounce back next year, and we would be foolish to let him go for anything less than a premium price. Nick Sama says, of course he will be. The Vonster will be a Bronco forever. He's just mad, and he's tired of losing, and is and." As fans of this beautiful franchise, we should all understand. Samuel Bissu says, yes, three exclamation or four exclamation points, pardon me. And he will be happy again on a winning, exciting team. The young players will re revive his spirits, and he will have a great season. Mace, I got lost. I got lost. All right, I, I can keep up with some more. Tobias, yes, I hope so. If not, if he is leaving, we haven't hit rock bottom yet. Mm. Aquaman, still a Bronco next year, just saying the truth and what most fans feel, too. Greg Anderson, yes, Elway waited too long to get value back. No point in trading him now. Might get a third-round pick. Nathan, yeah. yes, Von Miller is a Bronco. If he wasn't, we wouldn't be upset. Ooh, that's interesting. Interesting. Sanjeevan Singh Sidhu, yes, sign the legend to an extension. We have the cap room. If anything, extending his contract can give us more cap room if he takes less per year since he already got his big contract win-win scenario. Yeah, but... You think Vaughn maybe wants one more score if he resigns? One more big score, kind of like DeMarcus Ware got? Absolutely. Yes. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Can't blame him. That's just life. No. I think when you're sitting there and not viewing it from his, his perspective, you're like, okay, yeah, I'd take less money. I'd take less money. The players don't operate that way. The players in general, like, get, get what I can get. And the Players Association wants you to get what you can get, too. Yep. Remember exactly. that. Exactly. Ron Patton says, absolutely. Dan Goody, no doubt he's a Bronco for life. Dewey, I don't know. I think he's realizing that he's been the captain of the sinking ship. Maybe realizing that being the happy-go-lucky party thrower isn't the best method. All the guys in that locker room clearly love Vaughn, but do they respect him? Yes, they respect him. They but respect I think him. respect him. I, think, I don't think they respect him in terms of respect being fear. I think they respect him as a like, human being. Like Peyton Manning. Yeah, I think... Right. What Dewey might be referring to is kind of the respect, but fearing him a little bit. Well, that doesn't exist, but that's not his personality. And as a leader, you have to lead to your right. personality. If you don't, everybody's going to see through it and see you as a phony and inauthentic, and you're not going to be an effective leader whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Mace, I think we had two or three responses that were no's or, or unsure, and we had 35 responses. I think, I'm curious after people listen to us today, what they say. 
You're going to have to tell us in the comments section tomorrow. Maybe we should do another. Well, no. The comments <laughs> will, will work. Okay. So let me ask you this. A day later, I tossed out that let's say you managed to get a first-round pick, a late one back for Von Miller. That's the best-case scenario. Right. A team that views Von Miller as the final piece in the puzzle and says, we'll give you our 28th pick for Von Miller. Yep. So basically, that's Tyler Biotish or LaVisca Chanel for Von Miller. Do you do it? Where's, where's the phone that I can pick up to, to answer and say yes? Wow. I do because Vaughn wouldn't be upset. Vaughn may be in a better place after this. But then also, it's not just that you get a first-round pick back. You free up $13, $14 million this year. That could be your left tackle right there. That could be Anthony Costanzo. Uh, so you, you get a first-round pick, which is going to be a good player. So you, maybe you get your center. You get a wide receiver on top of another lineman or a wide receiver in the first round. And then you also get Anthony Costanzo. And then you open up uh, even more. You open up all $24, 25000000 million in 2021, too. Hmm. And, Mace, you said it. Von Miller has two years left on this option if, they, if the Broncos pick it up. Von Miller may be off the team. Even if he stays on the team then, he may be just off the team when the Broncos are competing in that third year. I know we've said dead money doesn't matter, but do you think the notion of having upwards of $22 million of dead money for Joe Flacco and Von Miller gives them pause? I would say it should. I don't think it would. Okay. I, I think it gives them pause, yes. I don't think that that would stop John Elway. The reason why I bring up Biotish is I make it tough for myself there. <laughs> because I really want to see him in a Bronco uniform. I think the Broncos need some of that Wisconsin O-line intelligent tenacity. And pair that next to Ron Leary. Or, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Dalton Reisner, of course. <laughs> yeah. Would you do it, Mace? I'm not I wasn't there yet yesterday. <laughs> I'm probably still not there today. I, I really look, I know this is crazy. I want to see what Vaughn says on Thursday. Yeah. I want to see what how he feels once he gets away from the emotion of the moment. Yep. But that said, if Vaughn is sincere and he really has doubts about wanting to be here, then you have to start picking up the phone. If somebody offers you that late first-round pick, you got to accept it. And I can see it being a, a late first-round pick because, yes, he That's only has That's the best-case scenario right now, Zach, right, is right. late first-round pick. But I could see that actually co co coming to fruition because he doesn't just have two years left in his career. Like DeMarcus Ware, he, he, can, he can pick up a, another three years after this, and then a team can have him for five years. Von Miller, yeah. a team that's competing? That, or, that's worth a late first round. Or pick. the dangerous part of it is, what if he decides to keep playing like Julius Peppers did? Right. And Julius Peppers, even though other areas of his game lagged toward the end, he was still a productive pass rusher up until his 17th season. So imagine for a moment if Von Miller's arc looks like that of Pep, and there are eight seasons beyond this, maybe not eight every down seasons but eight seasons right. in which he is <laughs> at least a contributor. Just to go back over uh, Julius Pepper's career, of course, he uh, Carolina had franchised him after 2008. 
but they chose not to after 2009, which was his uh, eighth season. And it sort of reminds me of where things are here. It's not that Julius Peppers wasn't beloved by that team, but he was ready to go. He was ready to move on right. to something new. Right. And so he goes on to Chicago, and in that ninth season, his first outside of Carolina, he had 11 sacks. Peppers in his last eight seasons, so Von Miller would be, go- would be going into year 10 next year. This is Julius Peppers from year 10 onward. 22.5 plus 14, 36.5. 47, 54 and a half, Mental math 70 and a half, 70. 70.5 sacks. That's obviously a best case scenario, but just to consider what you might be letting go of. Now, Peppers never had the 13, 14 sack seasons like he did earlier in his career for Carolina. Right. But when he left the Panthers after that, he had four more double-digit sack seasons, one of it which actually came after he came back to Carolina in 2017. So my point being, Von Miller, this is the sort of thing you could be letting go of. Right, and that's is why that, you're getting a first-round pick back is because you're giving away a good player, a darn good player. But Mace, is it worth, is $24 million a year worth nine sacks a year? Now, obviously, you know, in year five, you know, six, seven, and eight, he's probably not getting 25, but he's probably also not playing for five. It's he, worth he's it. He's probably playing yeah. for still a lot of money. It's worth it if Bradley Chubb doesn't launch into what you expect him to be. I think with Bradley Chubb, there's the assumption he's already a great player. Right. There's still question marks. Sure. Because he has the ACL right now, and he had an injury like that in his past. Yep. Yep. It's a lot to think about. No one talks about that, by the way, that Bradley Chubb does have an injury history. Yep, he does. It's fascinating. On the ACL. Yeah. Why is that being overlooked? Well, it's not going to be on this pod anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying this is like a Jake Butt knee injury history. Only one away. But it's there. How crazy is that? It's valid. Yeah. I mean, what if he's not all the way back? Yeah. Wow. And our first segment on the doomiest I am, doom note of ever. No Von Miller and Bradley Chubb doesn't make it back. <laughs> I think I'm, well, he makes it back, but maybe he's not all that you hope and right. expect he can be. Man, I'm I'm just demented melancholy right now. <laughs> this is not good. And after Mace left us on that dark, dark note, you're going to need a Breckenridge brew, <laughs> an avalanche ale, may I recommend, to help you with that. I'm going to be heading up to the mountains this weekend, and you know that I'll be bringing some avalanche ale with me as it is the perfect mountain beer. It's perfect winter beer. Even if you're on the beach, it's still the perfect beer. Make sure you check out the avalanche ale this weekend. Bring to your holiday parties. Maybe pick up a sampler pack, which has the avalanche ale, and bring some Breck brews to your family. Spread the love. Show everyone what a delicious beverage tastes like. What about the... uh... The faux kegs of Christmas ale. Mm. You can find those everywhere. I saw them out last yep. night. They are when everywhere. I was doing my grocery shopping. They're everywhere. Bring a couple of those, and uh, it'll be a party. Tap the keg, and <laughs> all you're missing is the lampshades on the head. <laughs> and speaking of 
parties. If you're looking for another type of party, make sure you check out The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flower, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup. Make sure you use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, Mace, we talked to the people in the first segment. Let's talk to them again in the comment section. We are people of the people. <laughs> All right, let's get started. The Manning-faced God. Hey, guys, a few questions here. What do you think the chances that the Broncos tweak, not completely change the offense, into a more modern spread offense next year that would be more complimentary for Drew Locke? Yes, I think it happens because look at the Texans game. There was a little bit of that. Yeah, they have to. And if they don't, they're committing malpractice with Drew Locke. <laughs> Number two, what is the chance the Broncos pick up Vaughn's option this season and possibly an extension a few years from now? Extension, well, I'm certainly not sure No, I don't think they're doing an extension. I think the chance of picking up the option, 50%. I was going to say 51%. Okay. I think it's tight right now. It is very tight. Number three for Mr. B. Four, do you see a Justin Simmons contract extension soon? Has to be. Yes, I think that's the number one internal retention priority for the Broncos in 2020. Don't be surprised, though, if it means franchising him before they end up getting an extension. So it could yeah. play itself out over a few months. Number five, Mace, I'm also a big Star Wars fan, <laughs> which is your favorite movie in Who's your favorite character? Mine is Revenge of the Sith and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Thanks, guys. Mine is The Empire Strikes Back. I'm old school. Go back to the original trilogy for my favorite. Although Rogue One, even though that's not part of the the nine-episode Skywalker saga, Rogue One is my second favorite Star Wars film. That came out in 2016. Mace, I'm hoping that you're saying The Return of Skywalker in a week from now. The Rise oh, of Skywalker. Or The Rise of Skywalker. I hope this one blows your socks off. So do I. <laughs> and Obi-Wan Kenobi is my favorite character. I've actually been as Obi-Wan Kenobi for Halloween a couple of nice. times. So. Next one from Iceman. Hey, friends, congratulations to the KC Chiefs, a very good football club in 2019. The Breck Brews of KC, go Zoomies in the bowl game. The DNVR family now knows, wink, wink, Winfrey is on IR. I'm not sure how a player gets hurt who never plays. Can we put out APBs for Phil and Royce now? Another double-digit losing season. Will it end in my years I have left on this third rock from the sun? Boys, it is time for another new head coach? Vic needs Drew to win at least the last two home games to deserve a second year, in my humble opinion. How can you win five or six games and the team be now heading in the right direction moving forward? It's no better at all than VJ era. Just win, baby. Thanks for the Tebow mention, Mace. We forget he put the Broncos back on the NFL map before Super Bowl 50. It would be nice to see Kyler get a chance against Drew. Or Kyle. Sloter get a chance against Drew. We'll certainly be talking about that later this week. I hope that happens. <laughs> By the way, of course, in terms of rushing yardage, the Broncos have failed to surpass 100 rushing yards as a team now for four consecutive games. If they don't hit 100 yards as a team Sunday, it will be their longest streak of games without going over the 100-yard mark as a team since the Josh McDaniels era. There was a oh, nine-game yeah. stretch encompassing both 09 and 2010 in which the Broncos didn't crack 100 rushing yards as a team. That's brutal. Right now, this is the is longest brutal. streak since games three through six of 2016. One more takes it back to 2010. And wow. Yeah. 
They're, they're not running the ball well at all. No, they certainly aren't. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Zach, you, can, you said, can you imagine Tyreek Hill and Cortland Sutton on the same team? Just so happens there's a receiver in the draft whose pro comp is Tyreek Hill. Give me rugs in the first. Is, official- he, as, is he as shifty as Tyreek, though? <sighs> mm. He's as fast, and that is something But shifty else. and quick, that's the thing. He's because what makes Tyreek Hill so tough to deal with is the combination of quickness and speed, the ability to stop and start. I mean, he's he's special at that. It's not just straight line speed. And Ruggs is pretty special because it's not just yeah. It, you you don't watch him and you say that's the only thing he has is speed. He he's small, so that's the concern is getting beat up. But Tyreek's also a small guy. The official thing says I'd buy that sandwich and mace. I've been anti wide receiver in the first round. Until this, this gets me so excited that he's a he's a legit four two forty guy. I'm anti wide receiver until I see what they brought aboard in free agency. Fair. I've got to see what they add, and if it, there's enough there, then yeah, you have the luxury of going wide receiver early. If not, no. I'm still offensive line, but this one this one makes it interesting for yeah, me. Yeah, but so he's from Alabama, one, so let's just put that out of your mind <laughs> right there. True. John Elway doesn't pick it Alabama guys. Especially in the first. Yeah, official Fink. Oh, not even in the first. He never picks them. It, yeah, he's that's never uns- picked yeah. an Alabama player. <laughs> yep. Maybe Kareem Jackson will change his mind. Maybe, but he got him Ten after years several years. So. <laughs> uh, they also had Cyrus Quankill. He was another Alabama yep. guy, yep. too. Official Fink. I'm not mad. I'm not that mad about the Chiefs for the record. Cool. We held them to only 23 points when they have been averaging upwards of 30 prior. My optimism has not wavered. P.S. The sound of the fish tank calms me. <laughs> salt or fresh water? I grew up with a father who always had several tanks, both fresh water and salt. Later, y'all think Fink it is a fresh water tank that we have here. Now, what is interesting is it wasn't something we chose to have. Oh, it, it was chose a, you. It was a gift. Oh, from from a member of my wife's family. And let me just say this. While we've done fine, we take care of the fish, all that. <laughs> don't give pets or pet <laughs> stuff as gifts and if to, unless they already have a pet. And then you bring dog toys. But don't put the pressure on them to assume <laughs> that responsibility. Yeah, that that's uh, that, come on. It's that, like they offloaded it on you. Yeah, it's like a Trojan <laughs> horse kind of thing. No. Drive eighty six says, okay, Drew Locke didn't have the game I envisioned, but he didn't look bad. I saw something that I haven't seen since PFM. Watch watching what we have put out in the last four years has given me indigestion. He looked like a real quarterback, which is something I haven't seen in a while. Future is looking up, and I can't wait to see next year from him. And day one, we will call, or and from day one, we'll call him DFL. Keep Drew, up the good work, boys. Drew for life. Yeah, sure, Drew freaking Locke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say, passer rating. It's a flawed metric, but right now he has a higher passer rating than Joe Flacco had while he was here. A higher passer rating while that than Case Keenum had while he was here. A higher passer rating than Trevor Simeon had while he was here. <laughs> How about that? And these Small are his first sample three size, starts. but still. Antonio Acosta. What are the odds Locke brings all the receivers, tight ends, running backs together to train like Manning did when he got here? From the first few games, I feel the biggest obstacle is timing and knowing where players will be. He has missed a few to Sutton in that they weren't on the same page. I'm not sure Manning took running backs, but it would be good to have Lindsey and Freeman there as well. Maybe a week together working specifically would be good. Also, I can see Patrick exploding in that number two role in a year or two. He seems to make big plays at times and can make some tough catches. Looking forward to the tailgate this Sunday. Go Broncos. Hashtag 
United in Orange for life. Mace, how important is a, a passing camp in the offseason? Not exceptionally important. Should Drew be doing that? It will, would help. will Drew it, do it? It couldn't hurt. I just, I think the notion that quarterback that if a quarterback doesn't have a passing camp, he's doing something wrong. Right. I I think that's flawed. What Peyton did was extraordinary and unusual. And then others kind of tried to follow it. But Peyton Manning, he was on another level. And in terms of all that he put in, I think everyone needs to put Peyton Manning off to the side. Did Peyton as do a that in Indianapolis? Do you know? Yeah. Did he do it the after his first year in the league? Not after his first year. No, it took okay. some time. I don't think yeah. he did it for several years. And that and that's why I'm okay. You know, if Drew's not doing that stuff right now, but Drew is a, it. Drew is as the CS, new CSU coach would call him. He's a dude. He's a dude. He wants to be around his dudes. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the guys together. And it's not going to be critically important by any means, but I wouldn't be shocked to see it. Every time I hear dude from Steve Adazio, <laughs> I want to respond, sweet! <laughs> There's a, an old early 2000s movie, dude and sweet, back and forth. <laughs> And maybe, maybe and that's an what goes to my mind. To oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm. I'm sorry. I know. I don't want to hijack this with CSU chatter, but <laughs> I am not sold on Adazio at all. No, I'm not either. And it's sad. No. It saddens me. I think. I don't I, know if anyone is Mace. I think. I think this was Urban Meyer getting his guy a job. Yep. I think that's all it was. Yep. And interviewing all of his guys for jobs. Yes. Yeah. That's. It's. I, I thought they went about the process in a pretty slapdash manner. I, Totally agree. Next one coming in from Denver born, Denver raised. Hey, just like me. Hey guys, just subscribed. I hear all the DNVR podcasts, but you guys really pushed me to subscribe. Welcome. I'm a huge Denver sports fan, and I really think Drew Locke is going to be the guy. Something I haven't really heard is Denver trading down to the late teens, early 20s, and picking up an extra second or third. With that mid-first round pick, you can get Tyler Biotish, then trade back into the first with the extra picks for someone like LaVisca. You guys are great. Appreciate all the content. If they've addressed left tackle some other way, absolutely go for it. Right. And if, if a guy isn't or if no one's there that you love then you do that but remember you have a bunch of extra picks that you can already use to trade back into the first but you could have more and you could also use some of those picks to acquire picks for next year as well just keep going and and keep maintaining the surplus because look i don't think this is a one draft solution i think this is going to take some time i agree to get right so go ahead and do that bronco in sf I'm worried about Phil. Not because of his lack of stats, though. I think that it's more a product a product of this situation. I'm worried about his lack of versatility. He drops about half his passes. He says he wants to be the McCaffrey, but can't watch the ball. How much slack do we give him for his surgery? Really quick, on Phil. Mace, the Broncos threw the ball way more than they ran the ball this past game. You would have thought going into the season that that meant Phil got more touch or more more opportunities on the field than Royce meant the opposite. Royce is the receiving back, which is crazy. And Skangs likes what Royce brings in the receiving, but come on, Phil was supposed to be that guy. Well, Phil Belinzi has dropped 13.2% of the passes thrown his way. He's dropped five out of 38 mm. that were catchable. And just looking at the percentages here, I've I ha- let me just dive into it really quick because I just – look this up here and really quick when you're looking that up how much slack do we give him for his surgery 
I say none because the if you're giving him slack for his surgery, then you're going to have to give him slack for his surgery for the rest of his career because that's that's not really bothering him anymore. A little bit of slack, not much, but oh, I, the I, nice man coming in. I'm not grading him on a curve. I don't grade on curves, but I'd say understand that physically he's getting back to where he once was, and uh, I wouldn't put too much on him. Okay, Zach, so just to do some number crunching on Philip Lindsay, looked up all the running backs who have been targeted at least 20 times, or have actually, pardon me, all right, a little number crunching, Zach. I looked up all the running backs who have had at least 20 catchable passes thrown in their direction. Philip Lindsay's had 38, five drops, drop percentage of 13.2. Among those 49 running backs with at least 20 opportunities to catch the ball this year, that is the third highest drop Ooh. rate. Ooh. Only Derrick Henry, 14.3, and Todd Gurley, 19.4% of his receiving opportunities dropped are worse in the NFL this year. Oh, that's brutal. And that's why, do those other teams have second running backs? Not really. They're the main option. The Broncos do have a second running back, Royce Freeman. So he's quickly becoming their option because of that. And it's a trust thing. I think that's what you have to chalk it up to at this point. Royce Freeman's drop percentage, 4.8%. He has two drops in 42 opportunities so far this year. This is the coach's appear to not trust Philip Lindsay yep. in space, which is tough because when he gets the ball, he's far more explosive. Right, but you got to get the ball first. Exactly. You got to bring it in. Manx Bronco, I never bought into NFL fans being as fickle as soccer. I think I just threw up fans. <laughs> Certainly <laughs> seeing it after Sunday. Personally, I saw things I wanted to see from Locke. There's a lot of Chris Harris Jr. bashing going on right now. Okay, he's been beaten a few times the past few games. Do you see him as a must-resign in the offseason? If not, surely cornerback flies up our board. Not must-resign because I'm not paying top dollar for someone that appear, every indication would be that he is trending now. Now, how fast? Is it 5%? Is it 50%? Uh, hopefully we get a little more indication of that, but Mace this year would suggest he's not the same player he was, and I'm not paying top dollar for that. Well— Here's the thing. If you're going to let him go, you'd better go on the market and sign Byron Jones, or you better sign J- James Bradbury. Oh, and corners, one of the two. Corner certainly does jump up the board right there. Otherwise, this is this is going to fail. Yeah. This is not going to work out. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to get much worse. And it, you can't afford to have cornerback be a pressing need going in the draft because if you have one need in the draft where you have to take it come hell or high water, that's how you end up reaching. Right. So you can't afford to do and that. Along the same lines, Pastor Rhett says, what I saw on the Hill touchdown was that Chris saw something pre-snap that he tipped as being the same concept that Diggs and, and Nuck, Nuck burned us with in the earlier weeks. That's why he turned in signals to 31. Hill starts into the Crosby post route, and Simmons bites early because of Chris Harris Jr. signal. Once both are sufficiently on the hook, Tyreek breaks back the other way. Chris claimed he didn't remember because, well, wouldn't you? Andy Reid, man. I got to say, though, who's Nuck? I have no idea. <laughs> that nickname I'm not familiar with here? Uh, it's one that I'm not familiar with either. Okay. Uh, yeah, and you can see Chris waving his hand pre-snap on that play. Yep. Wasn't a good Sunday for Justin Simmons. Wasn't. I mean, he had the nice interception, and that showed his ceiling, but caught out of position a couple of times. Yep. Not good for him. No. 
No, and that, that com- those communication errors have happened for, you know, as great as a safety duo is, and I, I really like Justin and Kareem, and it, as veteran as Chris is, and they all say communication's really good. There's been quite a few times the past couple of weeks where the communication has broken down. Okay, let me ask you this. How many pro bowlers do the Broncos get? And is Justin Simmons one of them? Mace, I'm going to say two. Okay. My in, in a weird way, my heart's telling me one, but I think the Broncos get two, and I think it's either Kareem Jackson or Justin Simmons. And I think the other one is Von Miller because he gets it because his name is Von frickin' Miller. Emeritus selection. Yep. See, and I and I think that's why Cortland Sutton doesn't get it is because he doesn't have that. He's building his name up this year. He'll get it next year, and that's why I think Justin or Kareem, whichever one doesn't get it this year, I think is building their name up to get it next. I year. think they will end up with three, maybe even four players in the game. Okay, yeah, I'm but I think initial. guys get bumped up. I think the initial announcement, the Broncos only get one. And who is it? Kareem Jackson. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm leaning towards Kareem as well. We'll find out today. We'll break it down tomorrow. That's true. That is today, isn't it? It is today. Isn't it earlier than it has been? Oh, you know why it's earlier? Because they don't want to do the announcement on Christmas on oh. Christmas Eve or Christmas yep. Day. There you go. They want they want all the pub. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, why? Isn't it ordinarily a week after this? But okay. Yep. All righty. Yep. Next one coming in from Boucher all day. Ryan, the fact that you said this style of offense requires a Pro Bowl slash Ring of Fame level player at almost every position proves that it's the wrong one for this team. Any offense that has players that would make any offensive scheme amazing. It proves the point that you've been trying to make that this team needs to get the offense that suits Drew's skill sets. Lastly, rate the sophomore players on this team if they only took a step forward, step backward, or a push for the season and give a quick assessment on where you see them going next year. Thanks as always. Well, if you don't mold the scheme to your players' strengths, it's a lousy scheme. I've seen enough instances where this scheme has been molded by other coaches, other teams. It's just interesting that the Broncos, historically, when they've had this scheme, they haven't done that, at least not done it very well. So, all right, let's get to the uh, second-year players, shall we? And we're going to deal with guys who were on the team last year. So Duke Dawson is a second-year player, but he's not a second-year Bronco. So we're going to talk about guys that played last year. So this would also rule out a Troy Fumagalli who was on IR as a rookie. Right. All right. got to do this quick. Okay. Royce Freeman. I think he, he is what he is. Holding steady. Yep. Deshaun Hamilton. Downgrade. Step back. Yep. Step back. <laughs> Josie Jewell. Step back. Yeah, he, he needed to play more this year. He yep. needed to be able to beat out Todd Davis. Certainly Alexander Johnson hasn't helped his cause. No. Nope. But uh, Jewel, he's limited. I think you can start him next to Alexander Johnson. Sure. But kind of a Todd Davis you have to have somebody athletic. If you don't have if you don't have Johnson, if your linebacking core is Jewel and Davis, you're gonna struggle. Yep. Okay. Alexander Johnson, stock way up. Way, way up. Way, way up. Philip Lindsay. Same. He's on pace to do exactly what he did last year. It just doesn't feel it doesn't feel as good. Does it, Mace? No. Maybe it is down. Well no, but his his per cat his per catch and his per carry averages are down. I think his stock's down. He's still a good player, but I think yep. his stock is down a little yep. bit. Tim Patrick. Stock up. A little bit for me. Just a little bit. He's gonna be a 
a number three or number four receiver. Yeah. I disagree with the comment earlier. I, I don't see Tim Patrick as a number two. I agree. Cortland Sutton. Way, way up. up. <laughs> Isaac Yadam. Down. See, the last couple of weeks holding his own, weeks, yeah. I think I'm going to say his stock is going up a little bit. Okay. The arrow's pointing I, up yeah, on him. Uh, yeah, yeah. But we're going off the last couple of weeks. And Colby Wadman. Down. <laughs> In the dumps. Although he actually ended up with a good game on Sunday. He seems to do that with his statistics. The, the statistics were fine. Everyone's fixated on the drop snap, but he recovered and got the ball off. I think what frustrated everybody is you looked at you looked on TV and he had a huge lane. He could have easily gotten the first <laughs> yep. down. Like Colby, go, go, yep. go. Wouldn't that have been something? But it wasn't a bad play to get the punt off on right. his part. Right. Peter King actually pointed out Colby Wadman is one of his players of the week. How about that? Which I think oh, probably wow. blew Broncos country's minds oh, a little yeah. bit. Oh yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Missouri Bronco, as May said yesterday, getting home from the game was crazy. I had to drive 42 miles at 40 miles per hour. Nervous the whole time, even driving with two hands. This doesn't happen often with me. I'm glad Mace made it safe, safe as well. Damn good time talking football with him in case he spy. Could have gone on for another two hours. Thank you for making. Thank you all for making the effort to connect with fans outside the 303. In this case, the 660. Look, I loved hanging out with you guys on Saturday night, Missouri Bronco and KC Spy, and I think. For 2020, one of our goals should be having more organized outings on the road on Saturday night. We know you're listening from all over the place, and who knows? Maybe the Broncos will be playing a game in London, yep. and we can talk about doing a pod from merry old England. <laughs> but I think there are opportunities for us all to get together to bring, to connect the DNVR fam, and I'm excited. I, I think uh, – we, we can do more of these outings on Saturday nights or the nights before the game. So we'll all work on that here, maybe set up something that makes it easier for us to kind of plan these things because this came together sort of at the last minute. But I think we can make this happen and find, of course, like a great spot. Like we were at Joe's Kansas City on Saturday night, and the meal was tremendous. Yeah, Macy, you, that was so awesome that you did that. I love seeing that on Twitter. Just warmed my heart. And speaking of the DNVR fam, we want you guys to become a part of this fam. Like Mace said, Mace, we have, we have fam in Denver. We have fam in Kansas City. We have, we have family everywhere and all over the globe. And we want you all to continue to grow this family because it is, a, it is an awesome place, just full of positivity at Broncos. And you guys can come tell us what cereals you like, anything like that. And we want to hear from you guys in the comment section. So when you become part of this family, say hello to us. Even if you don't have a comment, just chime in in the comment section like some of you have today. We love hearing from you. So make sure that you join our family. We love to hear from you guys. And Mace. Speaking of local businesses, Piper Electric has been serving the Denver metro area since 1983. Through a commitment to customer service and the team performance, Piper Electric is the hometown electrical contractor you can trust. If you call 303-646-6765, they will give you the DNVR hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial. So don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. And make sure you tell them that DNVR sent you. Count Locula chiming in. And I love this. I got to get into character. <laughs> I got to get into the character of Bookman, the library cop from Seinfeld. <laughs> 
Look, if you think this is about overdue finds missing books, you better think again. This is about Drew Locke's right to read a play call without getting his mind warped. Or maybe that turns you on, Skangarello. That's how you get your kicks, you and your good time buddies. Well, I got a flash for you, Joy Boy. Party time is over. You got 14 days, Skangs. That is two weeks. Love the count. <laughs> Man, just, just the, the chemistry that you and the count have, especially if you're never meeting, is do incredible. You, do you know what scene I'm talking about? Zero. No. Nope, okay. Not at all. Do you know Philip Baker Hall, famous character actor? No. Okay, probably maybe older generation. <laughs> Sorry, he's ca- he's a classic that guy. You don't know his name, but he's popped up on so many things over the years. Okay, he plays a library cop pursuing an overdue book and a fine <laughs> from twenty years ago. <laughs> and so I, I would recommend looking up Bookman Library Cop on YouTube. Okay, it's it's a phenomenal soliloquy i don't know if i has. need to i think i just saw it in front of my eyes it's it's amazing that it's, was masterful it's Mace. one of the best scenes ever in sitcom history i think <laughs> bookman the library cop andreas 3000 hey fellas can't wait for next year's rebuilding with the clock as the guy well for 2020 anyway it's clear the online needs big help are there many free agent guards or centers you can think of as there might be bigger needs in the draft and would it be good to get a veteran presence there peace y'all thanks for awesome coverage over two years now I would typically say yes, it would be great to get veteran presence at any position, but Mace, I I love the potential of Reisner being the true leader of the team. I did, if a veteran comes in, I want they, them to be part of the group, part of the culture. I don't want them to take over the culture because what we're seeing is, specifically on the offensive line, is a pretty darn huge divide between the veterans in that room and the rookies on the room. Not in terms of how they get, or I shouldn't say rookies, but younger guys. Not in terms of how they get along, but just their approach, and I think the team really needs that young approach, especially from the offensive line. Okay, now, if you do go for a free agent, it would be a second contract guy. A few people have brought up Brandon Scherf from Washington, of course, University of Iowa, number five overall pick a few years ago. Brandon Scherf, you can expect to have to pay him 12 to $13 million to play guard. That's Is that something lot. you'd be willing to do? That's a lot for a guard. Not not when you, not when Connor McGovern, I think, can be a darn good guard. I think you can address the interior O line with the draft. Yeah, at a much and much keep Connor place. McGovern. And whether you have McGovern at guard or center depends on which player you get from the draft that you're plugging into the starting lineup. McGovern can play both. That's one of the good things about him is he has the position versatility right there on the interior. Right, exactly. The Big Tabowski posted this on the pod before and missed the boat on the last one. So reposting again. Thanks for doing that, the Big Tabowski. That's exactly what we ask. Mace, can you explain your man crush on Tyler Biotish a bit more? Wouldn't it be better to wait and pick up Lloyd Lloyd Cushenberry the third in round three? I know it's a specialist skill being in the trenches and hard for us to properly judge them, but Biotish doesn't seem that much better than Cushenberry to me. Is it based mainly on the fact he's a badger in their great offensive line tradition? Oh, and I haven't let your Tebow comment from last week slide. Just temporarily have. I'll come back to that later in the week when I have more time to comment. Be prepared. Oh, joy. <laughs> uh, Mace, are you shaking in your boots right now? No, not at all. Uh, with with Cushionberry out of LSU, yeah, solid center. Um, with Biotish, part of it is the Wisconsin background. They're just better trained to succeed at the next level. They come to the NFL basically at a higher platform than others do. Those are more plug-and-play guys. You have literally uh, 
you know, you have Michael, you have Michael Dieter, you have uh, even David Edwards. He was a, a low draft pick last year. Bo Bengshaw, all of them have played substantial amounts for their teams as rookies. I'm looking for somebody that I can plug in and forget about it. The other thing with center, I want my center to be the smartest player, not only on the offensive line but arguably on the team. Basically, kind of in terms of the intelligence you need from players, quarterback and center are kind of one two, yep. and then it filters out from there. There's so much in terms of pre-snap checks and calls, et cetera. I know Biotish can handle that. I, I have no worries ab- about him. So if you have a chance to get somebody who has the physical attributes, the intelligence, the maturity, the leadership, the training coming from a program like Wisconsin where they develop offensive linemen better than anybody else in college football, and you can put them in there and barring injury, forget about – having to fill that position for 10 years, you should be good to go, you do it. Mace, especially if, with a the chance to have a young center and a young quarterback grow together. Mace, if, if I'm understanding you right, what you're saying is if you can get a lock at the center position, at, and pun intended, mm-hmm. at the end of round one, you do it. Yeah. yeah, and then it's a position that you don't want to have to worry about. Right. I agree. I agree. Next one coming in from Crazy Maniac. Hi, boys. I was at the game against the Chiefs, and I was 14 rows from the field. I only have one thing to say. Drew is not the reason we lost. We lost because we clearly outmatched and outmanned from an injury standpoint. Anyone who is putting the loss on Drew is very clearly lying to themselves. Anyway, the game was very fun. Even as a Broncos fan, I don't think I will ever be in a game with that much snow falling ever again. What is your guys' worst snow game you ever attended? Thanks and much love, Skyler. Mine? That one. That was my worst one. Wow. There was a game that I covered in Green Bay back in 08, Panthers-Packers. The snow hit toward the end and after the game, and it was a dicey whether we were going to be able to get off the ground at Austin Straubel International Airport in Green Bay <laughs> or not. We managed to do it, and we were fine. We got back to North Carolina. But, yeah, in terms of snowfall in the game— that was the peak for me. Mace, I don't uh, – that, that would have been for me as well if I was there. Uh, there was another one where snow was falling. It was Christmas Eve, either 2006, 2007, or 2008. I know you'd be able to help me with this one. Christmas Eve, I believe it was against the Bengals. Light snowfall. I remember yep. that game Light well. snowfall. It was cold Christmas Eve, and it was when the, uh, the extra point – I think it was the Bengals went through the hands. They missed it at the very end of the game. Broncos won by one. Couldn't feel the snap. Yep. That was mile high magic right there. <laughs> yep, exactly. Dan Burke, I get that winning these two games worsens the draft position, but how important is finishing seven and nine and attracting free agents? Every year there's usually a seven and nine or thereabouts team that has a trendy pick to make the jump the following year. Twenty fourteen Panthers improve from seven, eight, and one and make the Super Bowl. Twenty fifteen Raiders improved to twelve and four. And made the playoffs. 2016 Eagles improved to 13 and three and won the Super Bowl. 2018 Packers were six nine and one and are currently 11 and three. The Broncos have the benefit of having a very well respected defensive mind as head coach, as well as several other respected coaches on the staff: Dontel, Kolar, Munchak. And if Drew can show some promise, I can see Denver being an attraction to free agents. Okay, it's all. It has nothing to do with the coaches. I'm sorry. This is all about Drew Locke and whether people believe in him. Because with those examples you mentioned, you had three of the four. You had Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr in Oakland is kind of the exception to that. But you have three of those four where they had 
young quarterbacks, or in the case of the Packers, they had a future Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers. They had they had the guy, yep. and that was why they were able to kind of put things together. Don't forget with the Packers as well. Not only the free this year, not only free agency, but also they changed coaches and they bring in Matt Lafleur to replace Mike McCarthy. I don't. I don't think being seven and nine helps the Broncos any in free agency no. unless people are sold on Drew Locke. Right. That's I, what it, I agree. it's all about. That and Mace. Once Drew Locke's come in, we haven't been saying how it's best for the Broncos to lose in terms of draft position. Right. In fact, I'm not even worried about draft. I'm not worried about draft position. I just find out, you know, oh, okay, now the Broncos are picking 11th in the draft. Okay, now they're picking 10th, which I think is where they are right now. Is is top 10. Mm-hmm. I understand there was more money, no income tax involved, but remember that Calais Campbell picked the Jags over his hometown Broncos because he liked the direction the team was headed in. The Broncos were a 9-7 team one year removed from a Super Bowl. The Jaguars went 3-13 but showed some fight toward the end of the season. On the subject of Campbell, he's an expected cap casualty this offseason. Still productive pass rusher, and while he's probably not an every-down player at his age, what do you all think of bringing Calais home next year? I know you want Chris Jones, Mace, but I think you'd get 75 Percent of the production at a fraction of the cost. How old is he? Oh, he's in his 30s now. I'd still be okay with bringing him home if it's, you know, truly cost-controlled. If it's cost-controlled and you can address another need with the savings, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe. I'd that, like Calais a lot. I'd bring in Calais, but I'd bring in other defensive linemen too. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Next one from Samuel B. Sue. Hey, guys, I think RK is wrong. I don't think the way to beat the Chiefs is getting in a shootout with them. I think you have to play ball control like the Colts and Texans did, but the Broncos don't have the offensive line to do it. I think we have to draft three offensive linemen with the first three picks or get one in free agency. The best chance we can give to our young quarterback is to get him protection. The weapons are a secondary need, and we have two excellent ones in Sutton and Fant. I was expecting this loss to the Chiefs. That They took it to me, sadly, like the best team in the league, and we came in with half the team injured. Locke, Locke I think, looked poised, and I think we will succeed in Denver in a big way. I love the work you guys do on the podcast and on the site. Thank you so much, Samuel B. Sue, and I agree. Mace, if they go out and get three offensive linemen, one in free agency, two in the draft, three in the first four rounds, I'd love it. There's something else, though. To beat the Chiefs, the teams that do better against them are more man coverage teams than zone coverage teams. Broncos started off in man, went to more zone after giving up the early touchdown to Tyreek Hill. It's pick your poison, mm-hmm. but against the Chiefs, you got to be able to do man coverage. Yeah. Hunter yep. P. Hey, guys, I was wondering if you've heard anything about Jake Butts' rehab and if you think there's a chance he could be a contributor next year. As far as I've heard, his rehab's going fine, but... I think with Jake Butt, you simply have to regard him as a nice bonus if he's healthy. I don't, I don't think the Broncos will in any way go into the offseason and training camp relying on the notion of Jake Butt being a part of that tight end. You'd be surprised in a good way, but don't count on him for anything. Not even a third or fourth guy. No. And if he does well, then maybe you cut you go you, you cut somebody else in another position, you go light in another position to get him on the roster. But I don't think you have a three man tight end room, for example, with him in there. No. 
Yeah, it'd yeah. be it'd be four man. Next one from Thick Fangio. We won't play the Bengals next year unless we somehow fall below the Chargers. So it's not an immediate concern for us. But if they draft Burrow, what would you expect from him next year? With players like Mixon, Bernard, Eifert, and Boyd around him, he could be the Drew. He could be the Drew Lock that gets their offense fired up, and they could have a surprisingly good season and be a formidable in years to come. Also, to the person last week that said Carolina barbecue is the best, me. It might be part of the Big Four, but there is a clear separation between Carolina and the other three. And the words of Mace Windu, you are on this council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. You're right. There is a clear separation. Carolina is better than the others. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thick Fangio did not specify. Yes. <laughs> Period. So Jay Harrison, 16. I follow a few people from the DMVR fam, and all I saw was things like Drew Lock snow game. I live in Iowa, and we got some of the snow that day, and very similar to Mace's thoughts on the Brandon Allen Bills game, I thought Drew Locke won't be able to throw bleep in this game. Have you ever thrown a wet football? It slips, and you're not going to get as much zip behind it, and it's definitely not going to be as accurate as a dry football. Do you think he should try to use a glove on his throwing hand? I don't see this game as a negative for Drew Locke because the receivers couldn't run a decent route and that stuff. Why the Chiefs could and the Broncos couldn't, I have no clue. It was really only Kelsey and Hill that burned us, two freak athletes. Also, Von Miller's comments make me really sad because he can't do anything about this team losing. He's getting double teamed constantly. That's why the interior D linemen get more sacks than the edge rushers. Sad. Yeah, but Von Miller's not getting double teamed all the time, though. And there have been games where he didn't get double teamed barely at all. Yeah. And he still wasn't getting to the passer. So what teams would do is they would get the ball out quickly. They have the quarter. This was a problem in 2017, 2018. Quarterback gets the ball out fast and effectively neutralizes Von Miller coming off the edge. Ditto Bradley Chubb. That was a big thing. Yep. Hasn't been quite the same this year. As for why the Chiefs could pass and the Broncos couldn't, remember those guys, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in particular, Sammy Watkins as well, they've worked with Patrick Mahomes for multiple years. They know what kind of ball he throws. And uh, the Broncos are still learning what kind of ball Drew Locke throws. Travis Kelsey was just wide open, wide yeah. open all day. Again, the zone coverage. Yeah. You get out of man, you go to zone, and he just ate him alive. Yep, eats them alive. The lone amigo. Guys, we need some perspective on the scheme discussion. Mace has touched on some of this. There's a flaw in RK's argument and how antiquated the scheme is. He says nuance. He says numerous times that Elway didn't have success in this scheme until he had players to surround him. Here's the thing. Dan Reeves and Wade Phillips did not run the West Coast, West Coast offense. Therefore, you cannot point to the scheme being a problem early in Elway's career. The scheme and the new players essentially arrived at the same time. And as May said, you can make the argument the scheme helped TD, Rod Smith, and Eddie Mack develop into the players they became. The scheme is very adaptable. I remember when the run and shoot was the new hotness. Spread them out. Wave of the future. It didn't last. There is a reason the scheme has adapted has adaptability in today's game the 49ers vikings sexy sean mcveigh's rams and even the chiefs to a lesser extent run some version of this scheme andy reed has built a contemporary offense on a west coast foundation the thing is you need players to make any scheme work and a trash offensive line will turn any scheme into trash unfortunately we need better players in general and better offensive linemen specifically i know it's been popular to rip on skanks i get it but there is only so much turd polishing a coach can do. I bet with better players, we suddenly won't be so angsty about the offense. That's a good word, angsty, angsty. Yep. You know, it's close. I like it. Um, interesting to look back on John Elway as well because, of course, 
he started having big success in 93 and 94 with Jim Fossil, and they did some West Coast concepts. The other thing, as far as other teams running the running versions of this, the Chiefs do. They have some principles from this, mm-hmm. but of course they're a lot more shotgun-based. And the thing that sort of drives me a little bit insane is this team's fealty to playing more under center when the quarterback can see things better in the shotgun. Yeah. I mean, remember Peyton Manning having to kind of go back and do things under center? That, and that was absurd. It was absurd. <laughs> so you find ways to make these concepts work with the shotgun look. Right. I, I, the whole thing of the loyalty to be, oh, we've got to make sure we can be under center. Why? Be under center to run the ball. You can. Last year, this team ran better out of the shotgun than under, under center. Yep. Just saying. Yeah, and that, that that's my one thing, Mace. Just don't be afraid to put the guy in shotgun. All right, Vilka Dan. Make you, Macy, bring up sample size every pod. Can we talk? Let's compare his sample size to Elway's. First game, one for eight, 14 yards, 12.5 completion rate, zero touchdowns, one interceptions, four sacks. Bench for DeBerg gets credit for the dub. Second game, nine for 21 for a buck six, 42.9, zero TDs, three INTs, three sacks. Bench for DeBerg gets credit for the dub. Five-game sample size, one TD, five interceptions, 15 sacks. Credited for two wins because he was a starter, even though DeBerg had to finish both games due to four play and lost the, less, the next three. Gets benched for DeBerg for the next four games, but he had the it factor, and rumor has it he turned out okay. Fast forward to 2017, Alex Smith, Pro Bowl year, voted team MVP. Mahomes gets one-game sample size, Show he's, shows he has it. Smith gets traded. Mahomes, NFL MVP. Rumor has it, doing okay. As a lad growing up in New York City, the first game I really remember watching was Super Bowl three. I love Namath, but I didn't think they had a serious chance to beat the Colts because I believe the media hype. But Joe had it, and with a strong running game and good D, they stunned the world. It's okay to get on the board the Drew train, Mace. The kid has it. He will stun the world. I think he'll do okay. I don't—you're talking about John Elway, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Namath. I haven't seen it, that factor, that looks like those guys. I mean, you're talking about two Hall of Famers and one who— could be on a Hall of Fame trajectory if he continues playing the way he has the last couple of years. This is what I mean. I, I think there's this notion that you have to be all in or you have to be all out. <laughs> I, I Look, there's a reason why he was a second-round pick. There's a, I, was, I know you were high on him, Zach. I wasn't as high on him coming out. I saw some of the accuracy issues. I'm still in the, in the wait-and-see thing, and I appreciate— what you're trying to tell me, Vilka Dan, but and I'm open. I'm open to what you're saying, but I haven't seen anything yet that has changed my mind on where Drew Locke is. And in fact, everything I've seen, good and bad, from him in the last three games, I saw at Mizzou. The potential and the drawbacks, and he still has to th- fix some things, or those flaws are going to sink him. Uh-oh, Vilka Den, you got Mace so, No, he, I didn't, get, I didn't <laughs> I know, Mace I him. I'm just saying. I, <laughs> no, it's fair. It's very fair. I point, do Mace. bristle at the pressure to kind of embrace him. Oh, you got to go all in. No, you know what? I'm playing the wait-and-see game, and it's okay to play the wait-and-see <laughs> game. <laughs> Bronco Gator 87. Hey, guys, great podcast as always. Great to have Mace back to keep everyone thinking about the big picture of things, just as he's saying right now. Here's the one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet in terms of Drew Locke developing into the guy for the Broncos, his ability to be the leader of this team. 
We've definitely talked about that. Yes. Against the Lions and Raiders, I'm not merely looking for him to have a great statistical game, as that, and that would be nice, but I would love to see him lead this team, especially in a time where it seems like it's leaders of the past are losing faith in the team, i.e. Vaughn. Frankly, not only will he have to bounce back from a rough game, he will have to help encourage and motivate the whole offense to put, up the, to put the Chiefs game behind them. Am I confident? And I am confident that he will be able to do that. I was in the stands when Drew with when Drew Locke, after a horrible game against Kentucky, came into Gainesville for the Gators' homecoming game and tore apart a legit Gators secondary. It was then that I knew I was watching an NFL quarterback. Honestly, it felt like I was watching Jay Cutler with Vanderbilt back in 2005 as he almost pulled the upset against my Gators. For all the doubters, this kid has a special talent. Does it need to be fine-tuned? Yes. But from what I read about his work ethic, he will work out with the he will work out the kinks as long as the coaches don't put him in horrible situations. And I know RK wants to nix the offensive scheme, but I say give it one more year. It's not because I love this scheme, but Drew was held back in Missouri due to ever-changing schemes. Give him the rest of this year in the offseason with a good offensive line and another receiver or two, and I'm confident that he'll be able to elevate this offense to the level of competing with the Chiefs for the division next year. Sorry, guys, for the long comment, but thanks for the great content as always, Bronco Gator. I want to see them modify the scheme. Not change the nomenclature, but play to his strengths. So more shotgun. Uh, the, the Florida game is something we've talked about in the wake of the Kentucky game the week earlier uh, for Drew Locke. I think the problem is that there were moments in the three years previous to that where he didn't have the same kind of bounce back. And so was that juncture where he really turned the corner right. or was that the exception? And when I kind of speak about my skepticism regarding Drew Locke is the fact that it didn't happen until then. That up until that point, given the given multiple chances, it didn't always work out for him. And I know that Mizzou didn't have a, a lot of talent compared to other teams, but a quarterback can kind of compensate for some of that. And so that's why I'm I, I'm sorry I'm I'm still in kind of the wait and see thing here. I want to. And that's why this game is important. You mentioned that the stats aren't important. It's the leadership. I think the production does matter because um, leadership and the ability to lead is going to come in part from being a productive quarterback because if he goes out there Sunday and has a game like he did against Kansas City in the snow, then it doesn't matter what kind of leadership qualities you have. If you don't have the ability to go out there and play at a high level – right. They're not at the, in the NFL. They're not going to follow. Right, exactly. Ooh, Benny Lava. Hey, fam. After watching the Saints game last night, I gotta say I love the way they use Taysom Hill. Is Sean Payton really that revolutionary of a play designer, or is Hill that good of an athlete? I don't think he gets the same opportunities if he's on another team. Is this kind of is this kind of gadget player something we could see more of the future? Maybe Jalen Hurts could fit that bill. Just a random thought. Hope your day's going fantastic. I don't think Jalen Hurts is in the same athletic class as Taysom Hill. This just reminds me of the uh, Lamar Jackson wide receiver. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is a quarterback. Now, Taysom Hill, he's a Swiss Army knife. He is. He's also a unicorn because yeah. there are very few players with that sort of skill set. But I will say, you got to give so much credit to Sean Payton for allowing him and putting him in these opportunities because a lot of coaches just say, ah, he's an athletic backup. Uh, I don't really like him, not even on the team. Playing to a player's strengths. 
It's incredible. What a novel concept. It's incredible. I mean, <laughs> I'd like to see that. Good for here. Sean Payton. Yeah, I think I think the Houston game was an example of playing Drew Locke's strengths. Right. And maybe you just yeah. throw out the snow game. I think you do. Burn the film. Burn it. Let's see where he is next week. <laughs> World of sucks. Since I love to hate on Flacco and gush on Fant, here's a stat. In eight weeks with Flacco under center, Fant had 185 yards and one touchdown. He was on pace for a 370-yard, two-touchdown season. In just six weeks with Brandon Allen and Drew Locke, Fant has doubled the touchdowns and nearly doubled the yards with 363 yards and two touchdowns. It's a good enough pace for a 968-yard, five-touchdown season as a rookie. Fant is already capable of elite production. I actually uh, had similar numbers when I just used the Kansas City game, not the Colt game. I used the Chiefs game as kind of the end point because that was basically the worst day of his football life. Some teammates kind of challenged him a little bit, told him, hey, you got to step it up here after those drops. Yes. Yeah. And that's the moment I think things started to change for Noah Fant, and he's pushing on being – He's pushing on being one of the most productive rookie tight ends in NFL history. Yep, it's impressive. Next one from Golden Boy. I think I would like, I think I would like you to do through evaluation. I think I would like you to do. Oh, I think that's what he meant to say. Got it. Through evaluation of Drew Locke's performance, get us something we can't see. Everyone knows the quarterback position is played from the head up. Drew has the arm strength and mobility, but can he read defenses? Casey confused him. Many unblockers untouched. Drew or the O line is Drew or the O line the problem? He seems to be a step be- slow before deciding to run. From my untrained eye, though he seems to be the guy, all of his troubles physically can be corrected without can be corrected with hard work. But one thing I'm not sure about is how well he can read the defense. Any insight? Well, I expected Houston to do some things to try to confuse him, but Romeo Cornell didn't. Steve Spagnolo did in that last game. The snow obviously exacerbated things, and the state of the right side of the offensive line with no Ron Leary, no Juwan James also made things worse. So let's see what happens this week. Let's see what Matt Patricia uh, dials up. The Lions are a struggling team, but he'll throw some creative looks at you. He's going to try to disguise some things to confuse Drew Locke, and uh, if he ends up diagnosing them pre-snap properly, then he's going to be in good shape. I think Drew Locke is doing a good job adjusting to the speed of the NFL, but in terms of being able to diagnose intent of the defense when they're deceiving you, it's something that's just going to take some time. I agree. I agree, Mace. Chubb Club 55. Boys, looks like that Drew Locke jersey will have to wait for next season. No worries, though, as I am still rocking my Sutton jersey as he reached the 1,000-yard mark. Have to give credit where credit is due on that big 50-50 ball in the end zone against Honey Badger. That is the first jump ball I've seen Court not come down with. That was a great football play on both ends. Love hearing Mace mention Rod Smith and got me thinking, who are your top three favorite, not necessarily best, but favorite Broncos receivers of all time? I am 27, so my Broncos knowledge does not extend as far as Mace's, but I'd go Rod Smith. Eddie Mack and DT with Sutton closing the gap on DT. Thanks, guys, and happy holidays. Yeah, close. I would actually, I'd flip DT out for uh, Wes Welker just for the short you, time. I just, you I, like, I, I loved Wes. You like the short slot guy, uh, huh? Yeah. But I mean, in terms of, you know, franchise and how important they were, you get DTs. In, in there, terms of, of franchise importance is different. I'm thinking like favorites. So I'm thinking guys I liked. I really liked Eddie Royal. I watched oh, him at Virginia Tech. You know who else I put in there? I mean, above Wes Welker was is kind of a joke. Brandon Marshall. Uh, in terms of on field, he was a beast. He was so he much He was, fun. but I mean, he obviously had some things to figure out in terms of uh, mental illness that he was dealing with off the field. See, I, and I, 
Although I'll tell you a story. Um, <laughs> we had a uh, someone who worked for the Broncos website back in '06. It wasn't me; it was somebody else. He was a younger guy and uh, was doing a Q and A. And it was one of those kind of personality Q and As that, like, you know, what do you like to eat? And Brandon said, "Oh, you know, I like to go home and uh, and cook, and completely dry, straight as straight as an arrow." Our correspondent responded to Brandon Marshall talking about how he liked to cook at home by saying, but why? The McRib is back. Oh, my God. Now, what I think is interesting is about a year and a half later, there was the incident with the McDonald's wrapper and supposedly putting, as was told, supposedly putting his hand through the flat screen after slipping on the McDonald's wrapper. (laughs) Anyway, so favorites, I'd I'd say Eddie Royal. I really liked um, growing up. Of the three amigos, I like Mark Jackson the best. And then Rod Smith. Those there you go. three. There you go. Maybe not in order, Going but those back. are just the three that I like. I like it. And Mace, final one coming in from Nemo 3. In what scenario do you see the Broncos taking Tua in the first round? And let's say he were to fall to us. Can you slash would you pass on him? The scenario in which the Broncos take Tua involves Drew Locke not bouncing back effectively from what happened in Kansas City. Let's say right right now he's got five touchdowns, three picks. To put a number on it, let's say that by the end of the year, that touchdown-interception ratio is even. And then Tua happens to fall to them. Yeah. That said, I don't. if they picked a quarterback— I do not think it would be Tua. Yeah, I don't I think it would be Justin Herbert. Unfortunately, I don't see Tua falling or not 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 falling to them. I don't see the Broncos picking him. I would do it if he was there, but the only situation would be if Drew Locke completely falls on his face. I would as well, but I do again, I mentioned the Alabama thing earlier with Henry Ruggs. There are other reasons I do not think the Broncos would take Tua in the first round, even if they had a quarterback need. In fact, I'll say this. If Drew Locke isn't what they hope he can be, then they're going to the veteran market free agency or, God forbid, writing Joe Flacco another year. <laughs> I doubt that. I think that the organization has moved on from Joe Flacco. But there's probably that about 3% chance. But if Drew Locke's not the guy, I think the quarterback is a veteran on the market. I don't think it's coming from the draft. And before we go, I want to tell you about the Denver Rubber Company. You guys know how supporting local businesses in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming. We've already had a big taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witness machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company Custom makes it all 
and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. That's it for today's DNVR Broncos podcast. For Zach Stevens, I'm Andrew Mason. We'll talk to you Wednesday as the Broncos continue getting ready for the Detroit Lions. Take care and thanks for listening to